Good morning. Turning your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 6. We shall begin reading in verse 7 and read through chapter 7, verse 1. If you'll stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, And of those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, Are these things So, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. We will discuss this morning three things. One, the unity of God's people. Two, unity of God's enemies. And three, unity of God's message. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his high priestly prayer prayed that we, the church, the body of Christ, would be one. Even as the Father is in the Son, and even as the Son is in the Father, that we would be in the Godhead unified, the body of Christ. And we will discuss a few ways in which Acts chapter 6 displays we can be a unified body in Jesus Christ. One, we can be unified by humbly serving one another, just as Stephen did in the book of Acts And just as we should be doing in our church. Upon hearing the mother of the sons of Zebedee ask that her boys sit at Jesus' right and left in the kingdom. Jesus said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It is by living lives of humility in Christ that we fulfill all those one another passages in Scripture. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other. Stephen had to put on a heart of humility. That whole church had to put on humility. For there was a dispute among them. 
about not giving food to widows on the basis of the language they spoke. And I assure you that that church had to bear with one another in that moment. And all of them had to put on forgiveness, humility in Jesus Christ. So we should always be quick to bear with one another in love. And we are to heed Paul's call to be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. We are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what? Emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God's people are to be unified by being humble and by serving one another in love in Christ. So we are to be unified in being humble as servants. And God's people are also to be unified by, like Stephen, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the one spirit that fills all of God's elect. Paul said there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all And through all and in all. In fact, Stephen is thrice filled. He is filled with the spirit and wisdom we read. He is full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And he is full of grace and power. And we know that that power with which he was filled is an expression of the Holy Spirit. For we to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Christ said. To be his witnesses All over the world. Indeed, all the disciples had been filled with the Holy Spirit after Peter and John's arrest, released from prison in chapter four. And they used that spirit. They were empowered to continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So when we read that Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit, when we read that he is full of grace and power, We know that means he's both mature in the faith and equipped by God to accomplish his will. And if we are then like Stephen and the early church, we will be unified. The body of Christ will be unified by one humbly serving one another Two, being filled with the spirit, the one spirit that fills all God's people. Three, by doing the works of Christ We read that Stephen is doing great wonders and signs among the people. And we've noted that the purpose of these miracles and acts are to verify the messianic claims of Christ and to validate apostolic authority. This authority that the early church had in making this declaration, even in the shadow of the temple. And with this description, Luke is telling us that Stephen is carrying on with the mission of Christ. 
for he records similar language about Jesus, this signs and wonders. Men of Israel, Peter said, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the foreordained plan of God and his foreknowledge, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So Stephen's miracles, these signs and wonders, no doubt healings, casting out demons, show that the body of Christ is doing the work of Christ through the Spirit of Christ. But Stephen's works include not only those miraculous signs that would wane with the apostolic age, but simple acts like feeding widows, serving the poor in the body of Christ, tender and merciful expressions of love to our most vulnerable sheep. God's people should be unified by being humble servants, by being filled with the Spirit, by doing the works of Christ, and by preaching God's Word, being His witnesses. And Stephen does so, we read, with such wisdom that the Hellenists could not withstand the wisdom with which he was speaking. We are promised that everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone what? Without someone preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So we are to preach and proclaim the word of God boldly and without fear of consequences, knowing beyond doubt that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ reigns now. Even now in the face of persecution, no matter the persecution of Stephen and no matter the persecution that we face in our daily lives. Remember, Jesus Christ, Paul said, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as I preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But, he writes, the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And whether we're murdered like Stephen, or imprisoned like Paul, or simply ignored and written off, we must preach the word of God boldly and continuously, knowing it will not return void, for it is the Spirit who gives life and causes men to be born again. The unity of God's people is shown in our being humble servants like Stephen in this early church. 
The unity of God's people is shown by being filled with the Spirit, like Stephen in the early church. The unity of God's people is shown by our doing the works of Christ, like Stephen in the early church. The unity of God's people is shown in preaching the Word of God, like Stephen in the early church. And the unity of God's people is shown in our reflecting God's glory. We read that Stephen's face was like the face of an angel. Like Christ, he has been transfigured in some way. Like the angels in dazzling raiment at the empty tomb. And I want to tell you this morning, there should be something different about the people of God. Something Christ-like in our mean, how we carry ourselves, our countenance should be different. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, Solomon wrote. James would encourage those scattered abroad, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Stephen can stand firm in front of this counsel of the wicked. Stephen can stay joyful in the way of sinners. Stephen can remain steadfast in the presence of scoffers. Because this is a man changed by God. He's had a real encounter with Christ. Christ is his Savior and Christ is his Lord. And Stephen, Stephen is holding on to a promise. On the night of his betrayal, knowing the cup of wrath to be poured out on him, Jesus said, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table, the table of Christ in my kingdom. And Stephen knows even in this moment, especially in this moment, that he is a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you that when God's people are unified, you better be ready. Because I guarantee you that the devil will make sure there's unity of God's enemies. Acts 6 begins with a division in the church. Stephen and the other proto-deacons are appointed because a complaint has arisen by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. Because the Hellenists, those Greek-speaking Jewish widows, are being ignored in the daily distribution. Now, unity in the church brought about what we see in chapter in verse 7, that the word of God continues to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of even the priests become obedient to the faith. These priests who converted, who've gone from death to life, they've gone from performing daily sacrifices to believing and no doubt proclaiming that it is Jesus Christ whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And these men with hands stained crimson from bulls and goats can now say with vim and vigor that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Stephen too, full of the spirit and wisdom, would have preached that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And for those saved by grace through faith, you are severed from Christ 
who would be justified by the law. And so Stephen, in his his service to widows, by living out the gospel and feeding Christ's sheep, has helped unify, think about this, the Hebrews and Hellenists in the church. That's why he has time now to go preach. But in his preaching, he's unified the Hellenists and Hebrews outside the church. For the synagogue of the freedmen, what you read there, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, those from Cilicia and Asia, these are the Hellenists who are outside the church. And they've gone to the elders and ultimately the high priest who is Hebrew. And so Stephen stands indicted by the unified enemies of God. The allegations are simple. Generally, it's blasphemy against Moses and God. It has to be Moses because the Sadducees only accept the first five books of the Bible. And then we're told specifically how he's allegedly blasphemed. This man never ceases, we read, to speak words against this holy place, that's the temple, and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, one, will destroy this place, and two, will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Now, of course, Jesus did predict the destruction of the temple. We read, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him all the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. In fact, he went on to say that truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away before all these things take place. And it's certainly true that Jesus upended some customs. We read, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not into his heart, but to his stomach and is expelled? Thus, Mark tells us, He declared all foods clean. So Jesus eliminated the dietary laws in his earthly ministry. He also did away with oath taking. He uh, restricted divorce in a serious way. He said over and over, you have heard, but I say unto you. So what makes these allegations false from God's unified enemies? They had not eyes to see and they had not ears to hear that Jesus came not as some iconoclast to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. For Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law, all the types, all the shadows. Jesus Christ is the temple. Jesus Christ is the Sabbath. I tell you, Jesus said, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And so we celebrate with the writer of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the guarantor of a better covenant. And in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. For Christ has entered not into holy places made of hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear 
in the presence of God on our behalf. So these wicked men are rising up against God's people because they'd rather grasp at types and shadows than cling to the substance, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And here's Stephen on the verge of being pummeled with stones for having a heart that was made flesh. Because as Paul writes from prison, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. And so, like our Lord, Stephen is dragged before the high priest who asks, are these things so? And just like there's a unity of God's people, and there's unity of God's enemies in coming against us, there better be unity of God's message. And like Stephen, we'd better be ready. We'd better be ready to give an answer. Peter said, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, he says, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with what? You remember? Do it with gentleness and with respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Stephen was ready to give an answer because he was devoted to the apostles' teaching. We read after the sermon at Pentecost that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And we noted that the word apostles is plural, but the word teaching is singular because the apostles spoke with one message. Now, Stephen's going to be ready to give an answer. If we are going to be ready to give an answer... The answer, singular, we'd better, one, commit to knowing the Scriptures. For how can you be devoted to the apostles' teaching if you don't know your Bible? Do you know your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? Are you studying your Bible? Is Bible reading part of the liturgy of your daily life to make you transformed into the image of Christ? When you're devoted to the apostles' teaching and you commit to knowing the Scriptures, then you can too boldly declare that those Scriptures have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus who was crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. And you better be living it out, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Because by proclaiming the Gospel... We are calling on all people everywhere to repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether they're a murderer like Saul or the high priest of Israel or an illiterate fisherman or a housewife 
or a student or someone at the old age home. And the scriptures testify that God is able to save all men, no matter how great their sin. For Jesus Christ is the one who made atonement for all our sin. And that atonement, the at-one-ment, whereby we are made at one, that is unified with Christ, is hallelujah ground for God's people. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Let's pray. Father, you have blessed us immeasurably. You sent your son to be the propitiation for our sin, to bleed, to be the Pascal lamb. That his blood may cover us and make us white as snow. You have made us joint heirs with Christ. You have unified this body and we pray that you would keep Sylvania Church unified in Jesus. Move us to be repentant of our sins. Move us to study your word and be devoted to the apostles teaching. That is the teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And move us to love one another, bearing with one another in Christ always. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand soon.